to two openings. For some weeks now, we've been on the subject of uh, perfection through correction. And the last uh, couple of weeks, we went a different direction, I believe, at the Lord's instruction. But we, uh, we didn't finish that. And I believe we're nearing the end of it, but not quite, uh, not quite perfected on it yet. Philippians 3, we want to go to. And then uh, Hebrews 12. Now, if you haven't been with us, we've covered a lot of ground on this subject, and it would uh, benefit you, I believe, to go back and, and, and hear and watch the previous parts. And you can go online and watch it. It won't cost you anything. You can even get hard copies uh, in the Word Supply. And um, it is vital information, and not just information, but anointing and supply that will change you inside and out, because it's the Word of God. The Word of God is, this book is like no other book. It's God's words. It came through men, but it's God's words. And uh, it's not just the ink and paper. It's the thoughts that are in the Word. So it wouldn't matter if it was a Hebrew word, a Greek word, an English word, Italian word. These are the words are like a cup, but the important part is what's in the cup, <laughs> and what's inside the cup is God, <laughs> and if you'll receive the words, what the thoughts that the letters convey, the thoughts, what is a thought? Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> What's a thought? You can't touch it. But is it real? Have you ever had a thought? Well, thoughts come from different sources. And there can be death in thoughts. And there can be life in thoughts. The enemy can be in thoughts. That's one of the main ways that he attacks you. Is he comes against you with thoughts that are accompanied with feelings. And they are very real. And they're spiritual. And they can be powerful. But it doesn't make them right. Amen. Or true. You ever heard somebody say, I, I just I feel really strongly about that. Well, that don't make you right. You can believe a lie and feel very strongly about a lie. Remember, 2 Corinthians tells us, Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but they're, they're mighty, they're powerful through God. To what? To the pulling down of strongholds, and then it tells you exactly what kind of stronghold he's talking about. Casting down imaginations and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Uh, thoughts are not harmless. A thought can bring life and a thought can kill. A thought can deliver your life and a thought can destroy your life. This thought, they don't care about you. 
you might as well just quit. Well, where'd that come from? That come from God? Is it even true? But if you believe it and you you meditate upon it, you get to the point where you act on it. Destroy a relationship. Are y'all with me? Thoughts are not nothing and they're not harmless. They can be very powerful, good or bad. Well, the great thing about this book, it is full of God's thoughts. Now, to be able to think a thought that came from God, that's his thought. (laughs) What a thought. (laughs) To think his thoughts after him. And he he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. They're as high above men's natural thinking, especially wicked people's, ungodly people's thinking, as the heavens are above the earth. And then he talks, immediately talks about his word. Why? Because that's how he gets his thoughts to us. It's through the container of his words. Thank you, Lord. And so that's one of the reasons we come together. Is to feed on God's thoughts. And every day when you wake up, you should immediately think, you know, God, what is the thought for the day? Not just any thought. His thought. And you can tell when you get one of his because it's not like other thoughts. <laughs> it's quickening. It gives you life. It enlightens your, your eyes and your heart and your understanding. And a lot of times you'll exclaim and you'll go, oh my. Whoa. What a thought. Could that be? Well, yeah, it is. Oh, Really? Glory to God. And he said, I know the thoughts I have about you. With with seven plus billion of us running around on the earth down here. And a universe, we don't even have any idea how big it is. Of all these stars and solar systems and planets. and would, Could God have a thought about you? He said he did. That's right. I don't believe he lied. No, he didn't. He said he knows you by name. Hallelujah. He knows your name. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> the Bible said he named all the stars. That's way more than seven billion. He keeps up with all them. He could sure keep up with us. Even said you, you talk about God, attention to detail. The Bible said a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground. But what he he is aware of it. We've got all kind of birds around our house. I don't know how many there are. I sure didn't name them. I don't know when one comes and when goes. It goes further. It says he knows the number of hairs on your head. You know that? You know what that means? He cares more about you than you. Come on, say it out loud. God thinks about me. He knows my name. He keeps up with me far more detail than I do. He cares more about you 
than you do. Now that's a thought. That's a God thought. Hallelujah. Everybody said out loud. The great father. Thinks about me. He thinks about me. He knows me. He thinks about me. And here's one of the things that makes you unique, makes you special. Of the seven plus billion running around on this planet, the vast majority of them don't care about God. It's sad, but they don't. But the ones that do, like you, that love him, believe in him, wanting to know, wanting, seeking him, wanting to know what his will is, what do you want me to do, what your plan is for me, brings a smile to his face. Because that's faith. You don't see him, and yet you believe all this. And faith pleases him. That's why I said it brings a smile to him. So not only does he know you and think about you, but when he thinks about you, he smiles. Because you believe in him. You're seeking him. It pleases him. And the more our faith we act on, the more access he has into our life. And the more he shows up in our life in his great goodness the brighter witness it is to everybody around us that they ought to be seeking Him too. Can you say amen? amen. Did you find your scriptures? Yes, sir. That was all free. <laughs> of course, the rest of it's free too. <laughs> Philippians 3. <laughs> Philippians 3 and verse 12. Paul said, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Um, keep reading. I count not myself to have apprehended. We might say to have arrived, to have received it all. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Next verse. Let us therefore as many as be perfect. See, he, he mentions this, what, three or four times just in these couple of verses, being perfect. Let us be thus minded, and if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. Now, does this sound like some correction could be involved? Yeah. Instruction and correction. If, if you are growing up and developing and being perfected, then you'll think like this, he said. Why? Because he got this from the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through him. Uh, and, if any, and if you think otherwise about this... What's going to happen? Well, you need to be instructed and or corrected so that uh, God will reveal it to you and you don't think otherwise. 
Romans 12 tells us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, Even though you're born again, when you're born again, old things are passed away, all things are become new, that's on the inside. That's not in your body, and it's not in your mind. Just because you got born again, that doesn't mean the next day you lost all your wrong thinking and you think exactly like God now. (laughs) That'd be great, but (laughs) that's just not how it is. That's why he immediately says you need to be renewed in your, in your thinking. Your mind needs to be renewed. And that is through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit. And so even though our, our righteousness is perfect before God because it's Jesus' righteousness, yet we have not grown up and developed into the full stature of Christ, we begin to grow. We begin to develop and grow up in Him. As newborn babes, we should desire the sincere milk of the Word and start growing up. When you're born again, you're not born a fully mature child of God. You're born a baby, an infant, just like you are in the natural And so even though a baby, we might say they're perfect. They're perfect, yeah, but they're not fully developed. And that's that's every Christian's situation. Perfect in Christ, but not fully developed. Go with me to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, please. Hebrews chapter 12. And verse 1. Verse 1, he said, I be, uh, no, Hebrews 12. Seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That's all the people he'd mentioned in Hebrews 11. All those great faith heroes. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. He's talking about a faith race, just like they ran their race, all those in Hebrews 11, and have finished it. And he's saying, now we're on the course. We need to run our race like they ran theirs. It's not a, uh, a sprint. It's not a dash. It's a marathon. And so that's why he uses the word patience. It's not about, you know, uh, who can shout the loudest, pray the hardest, quote the most scriptures for three weeks. It's can you settle into a pace? (laughs) Are y'all with me? And maintain it year after year. And run this race, this faith race. In uh, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We don't need to be looking to the side to see how well we think we might be doing with the other runners. We talked about that a while back, remember? About not comparing. It's foolishness to do so. And we don't need to be looking behind us. Isn't that what Paul said? Forgetting those things that are behind. Where should we be looking to finish our race? 
We're looking for who's up ahead at the finish line? Jesus. The one who showed us how to do it and the one who's helping us every step of the way. He's, and he can do that, he's with us and he's in front of us at the same time. For the joy that was set before me endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep reading. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. So the danger is getting tired and quitting. That's the danger, the temptation. Keep reading. You've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Uh, this is something, too, that some have not understood. Many have thought that if you get saved and really saved and really filled with the Spirit and serve God, that you won't be tempted anymore. Now, I don't know where they got that. <laughs> but... Uh, and I've heard people leave the impression that there is a spiritual state you can get to, to where you're no longer tempted. Well, that's not how Jesus operated. He was tempted. True or not? The Bible said Jesus was tempted in all points, like as we are, just like us, yet without sin. This is an important point here. It's not a sin to be tempted. You haven't missed it. You haven't done anything wrong because you were tempted. Now the devil, he plays with people on this one. He will bring suggestions, thoughts, feelings, temptations to you. He's the one brought them to you. Now, don't wait till you see something in a red outfit with a pitchfork. That's not how it works. Just a thought, a, a, a suggestion, a, a feeling will come to you. And see, your flesh didn't get born again. Your flesh will still do the same things it did or wanted to do before you got saved. And even your mind didn't get born again. That's why you have to renew it. And so temptations can come. I shouldn't say that. Temptations will come. <laughs> and then he'll bring these thoughts and feelings and suggestions and temptations to you and, and, and let them sit on you a little bit. And if you don't resist them, if you don't know to cast them aside and resist them, then he'll come and say, look at you. Supposed to be a Christian. Thinking about that. <laughs> Wanting to do that. Are you even saved? And he's the one that brought it to you. Everybody said out loud, it's not a sin to be tempted. I haven't sinned just because I was tempted to do something. It's only if you yield to the temptation and do it and act on it. That's when you've missed it. You've, you've violated light. Oh, but thank God, there's forgiveness. And there's cleansing. Even if you do what you know you shouldn't have done, still, there's cleansing. Forgiveness. Righteousness restored. Um, 
I know something that helped me. You may have heard me say it before, but oh, this has been decades ago. I heard somebody describe this, and it just imprinted me. They, uh, they were a guest in a large city, and somebody took them to the tallest building in their town. And they went up, I don't know how many floors it was, but there was this tiny little balcony. And they went up and they looked out over it. And man, it was so far down below. Cars looked like little toys. And uh, they were up there. And he said, uh, this thought came to his mind. Why don't you just jump? And immediately he said, you jump. I'm not. (laughs) And when he said it, I thought, yes. Yes. This is being clear on what's going on. See, a lot of people don't understand how these things work enough. They would grip the rail and go, what am I thinking about jumping for? Well, you just opened the door. If if, if you entertain that idea, he's ready for it. He says, because you're suicidal. (laughs) No. Well, what do you think about jumping for? I don't know, but I'm not. Well, you're thinking about jumping. Were you or not? Well, that's you're suicidal. No, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> and in just a, within a half a day, people can come down, you know, uh, they'd come down from there thinking, what's wrong with me? And the enemy would start feeding you, well, this is not right in your life, and that's not right. And your subconscious has been working on you to to get to this place. You didn't even realize it, but you're in trouble. I'm suicidal. When the truth was, there wasn't anything wrong with you until now. (laughs) Because if you believe it, and you receive it, and you entertain it, and you dwell on it, as a man thinks in his heart, You'll become that way. But how much better to just look around and go, no, I'm not stupid. I'm not jumping off here. You want to jump, you jump. I mean, doesn't this sound exactly like what you read in the Bible? The enemy took the master up to the pinnacle of the temple, didn't he? He said, why don't you jump? And then the devil quoted him scriptures. And all this is called a temptation, isn't it? What was the temptation? Was Jesus tempted to jump? (laughs) I'm looking, I'm listening. Huh? Was Jesus tempted to jump? He's either tempted or he wasn't. It was called a temptation. If he wasn't tempted, it wasn't a temptation to him. (laughs) Why? Because the devil said, it is written. But nobody's bigger on it is written than Jesus is. Oh, the devil's slick. He thinks he is. And to most humans, he, he is. It is written. He'll give his angels charge concerning you. And they'll bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. Basically, he's saying, you believe this or not? Mm-hmm. If you believe it, prove it. Yeah. Jump. You believe the, you trust God or not? Huh. <laughs> ah, but there's other scriptures. You've got to rightly divide the word of God. 
It's also written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And so that he didn't jump. He, he didn't yield to it. He was tempted, but he didn't do it. He was tempted to turn the stones into bread. He's hungry. Does he believe it could happen? Yes, he does. <laughs> well, prove it. Here, here's a good thing to realize. You got nothing to prove to the devil. You rejected him. As your Lord, and He's nothing to you, and you're nothing to Him. He wants to be in your life, but refuse it. So I don't have to answer anything to you. I don't have to explain anything to you. I'm nothing to you. You're nothing to me. Jesus is my Lord. Why wouldn't I do it? Big reason I wouldn't do it, because you said so. That's all I need. If you said it, I ain't doing it. And here's where you can vent all your rebelliousness. When the enemy tries to get you to do something, you become the biggest rebel on the block. No, no, you can't make me. I ain't doing it. Never, never going to do it. No, you can't make me <laughs> with the devil. <laughs> Why don't you jump? You don't have to know anything except he's the one said jump. So no, never going to jump now. No. I was thinking about it, but since you said it, no. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> Being tempted is not sinning. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Brother Hagen, my father in the faith, used to say this. He said, even the most holy saint of God has found coming to their mind thoughts and feelings that are ungodly and not right. That doesn't mean you've sinned. The enemy brought something to you. He also said this. He said, you can't prevent a bird from flying over your head. But you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. <laughs> right? And it's a great example. Thoughts and feelings come. You didn't ask for it. You didn't do it. But you don't have to let them stay. And you don't have to think on it all night and all day. And you certainly don't have to act on it. Why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? Just, just take that money. They owe it to you anyway. They hadn't paid you enough. They hadn't done this. Just, just take it. It's just right there. Just take it. Nobody will know. You, you need to clarify what's happening here. You say, shut up. I'm not stupid. No, God's my source. I don't need to take it. No. Resist the temptation. Hmm? Why don't you hit on his wife or her husband? You know, won't you flirt with him? Won't you do this? Won't you do that? No. No. Somebody say no. There's a real simple word you need to learn with. When it comes to the enemy's temptation. You, and you haven't sinned because that thought came. You don't go around the rest of the month feeling like dirt because I had that thought. The, the thought was brought to you by the enemy. Come on, can you see this? You haven't sinned. You just resist it. Amen. You resist it. Amen. And the thing that makes you the most 
powerful is your faith in God. I don't have to try to steal his wife. Uh, you know, uh, if you're not married, you can say, God will give me the right person for me. If you are married, even if you feel like you don't have what you should have, God will give us in our marriage what we should have. Is that right? He can restore it. It can be better than it ever was. If you have faith, you don't try to steal or lie or do these things. That's being faithless. If I don't try to grab it, I'll never have it. No, we're going to let God give it to us the right time and the right way, and we'll be blessed. And for some reasons, I've had difficulties getting to my notes today. But I've uh, I've learned the Spirit of God's leading that way is because that's that's where people are. That's where situations are. And I know when I was first uh, starting in the ministry, I'd say this. Well, I'd say, this is not my message, but. And I'd spend 15 minutes on it. You know, this is not my message, but. And I must have said that 50 times. And finally, I said, it. this is not my message. And the Lord interrupted me and said, he said, son, if I say that's your message, that's your message. <laughs> you need to quit saying, this is not my message. <laughs> Where are you? Hebrews 12. Wow. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's finish reading this and see, uh, see what happens. <laughs> You've not yet resisted against blood striving against sin. Did Jesus have to resist? Yes. How, how hard did he have to resist? He resisted To the point of blood coming out of his pores. Now we know this specifically refers to the temptation in the garden. Where he was praying. Was he tempted there? Tempted to do what? (laughs) What was Jesus tempted? Remember he's tempted in all points. Just like us. The exception is he never gave in to the temptation. Perfect record of never giving in. What was he tempted? Well, all you got to do is listen to the prayer. What's he praying there in the garden? Father, all things are possible with you. And if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. What's he being tempted? To not, not go through with this. I know people wouldn't like to even look at that. Why? We have no idea what he's looking at. There's a lot more involved here than physically being nailed to the cross. He became sin. He didn't just empathize with it. He became it. Do you remember when the snakes were biting the people out in the in the wilderness and Moses cried to the Lord and, and the Lord told him to make a brass snake serpent and put it on a pole and hold it up before the people and say everyone that looks will live. And then John 3 tells us that just like Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Jesus on the cross is typified by a snake on a pole. 
How is a snake on a pole a type of Jesus? There's no disputing it. That's what the scripture says. John 3. How is it? The cross is not pretty. You know, people have romanticized it, but it's not pretty. The cross was uh, execution for the worst of the worst criminals. It'd be worse than lethal injection or electrocution today. Because those are supposed to be relatively quick. This could last for days. And uh, when he was raised up on the cross, nailed to the cross and raised up, the people, many in the crowd said, well, look, he's not the prophet and savior they said he was, or this wouldn't be happening to him. Look, God has forsaken him. He must be a bad man. And if you read Isaiah, he saw it in the spirit centuries before. And he said, he's despised. Is that right? Of men. Rejected. This is the stone the builders rejected. And what happened, remember the, the, the sun was blocked out. Remember that? What, what happened? And, and at the, the darkest point, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would he say that? Because he has become sin with all the sin of mankind, past, present, and future. I mean, you can think about vile things just in your small experience in life. That doesn't begin to touch it. This is all the sins of all the Hitlers. Are you listening? And anything that has ever been every evil emperor of every age and every barbaric act of all mankind, it converged on his spotless, sinless being, and he became sin. And when he did, he was separated from the Father. That's when he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? It got dark, and judgment fell on him. The full judgment for all sin. That's why on the pole, brass indicates judgment. The serpent indicates the sin. He became sin and was judged on the cross. As horrible as being nailed to the wood was, as horrible as being mocked and slapped and all of that was, that's just the edge that you could see on the outside. And when when it came to the moment of doing it, Jesus is looking at this right in the face. He's going to allow himself to be made all of this ugly, ugly evil. He's going to allow himself to be taken in to the heart of the earth by the enemy. 
he's going to receive death. We weren't made to die. Much less the king of kings. Can you see this, friends? He was tempted. He's right at it. It's hours before it happens. He's praying, Father, anything's possible with you. Let this cup pass from me. But the Father wouldn't tell him it was okay. What did he come back to? Nevertheless, this is how it has to be. Not my will, but your will be done. Was he tempted? He, he prayed. Why did he pray the same prayer again? He's tempted. And pray it again. Why? Why is he sweating blood? He's tempted. He's pushed. He's pressed. Well, the enemy is trying to get him to quit. Oh, but he didn't. I said he didn't. And he took it. And he bore it. And he became it. We really have little idea what the fullness of that is. But the enemy played right into the plan of God. He tried to lord it over the master. He thought he had him. He's become sin. He's on my domain. He's judged. I got him. Took him into the heart of the earth. I guess there was celebration in the nether regions. Until... The Almighty spoke from above and said, This is my beloved Son. This day I have begotten you. And the first new birth occurred in hell. The firstborn of many brethren to follow. And that place was shaken to its core and the son of man came up out of there and the angels were there at the tomb and he came into his body and it was resurrected and glorified oh hallelujah just like you're going to be just like everything that happened for him didn't happen for happened to him didn't happen for him he didn't need it Everything that happened to him happened for you, for me. He didn't need to be born again. I need to be born again. You, he didn't need to be raised from the dead. I need to be raised from the dead. His victory is my victory. Oh, somebody say, His victory is my victory. He raised. I will raise too. He's alive. I'm alive. I'm in him. He's in me. In Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The scripture says, if the devil had known, he would never have crucified the Lord of glory. So it was him influencing uh, the people that made the decision and the people that did the crucifying. Can you see that? It was the devil. He didn't mean it to provide salvation for me and you. 
<laughs> this is a revelation. The devil doesn't know everything. Come on, are you with me, saying? This is good news. He doesn't know everything. God specifically keeps things hidden from him, and he can't find it out. And he'll just lead you and I to do things. And that's one reason the Lord doesn't tell us all the things. Because then if we said it and, and act, you know, and talk too much about it, the devil would find out. He's got to keep him in the dark. But he'll just tell us. And if we're good soldiers, we just do what we're told. And then later on we find out. And, and the devil is, you know, his, his things are destroyed again. And he found out too late. He's always finding out too late. Jesus is our example. So when we're tempted, what are we to do? The same thing. You, you, you may not have any idea how important it is that you don't fall. I know Phyllis and I, you know through these almost 40 years now, walking with the Lord in ministry, we've been tempted. We've been tempted. Our, our finances have been tried. Our marriage has been tried. Our ministry's been tried. There's been challenges all along the way. You'll rarely hear us say anything about it because I'm not interested in, in giving the enemy any credit for what he tries to do. I'll just tell you about the victory when it happens. Hallelujah. But uh, Phyllis, it's no secret in our marriage meetings, we've talked about this, there were some times when Phyllis and I's marriage was really strained. And uh, during some of those times we talked about it and the Lord quickened me and quickened her. Our victory can be other people's victory. We don't, the Lord quickened us, we don't know how much it matters that we don't lose this battle. And this was before there was a faith life church and before there were any marriage meetings. Is everybody listening? It would have been easy to quit. I don't care who it is, anybody that's come very far in ministry, anybody that's come very far in marriage, business, I don't care what it is, you come very far, you had some opportunities to quit. Am I telling the truth or not? You you had some places where it would have been easy to just say, I'm done, I'm through. But if you had, you don't know what you, if you quit and you lose that battle, doesn't mean you're lost, but you lost the battle. You don't know what was on the other end of that win. You don't find out. And not only that, you don't know what God had planned to use you as an inspiration and a help to somebody else. God delights in taking hopeless-looking situations and making them trophies of His grace. It gives him so much glory. Somebody that would be the last candidate to be an example of God's prosperity. Somebody would be the last person you'd pick that'd be an ideal marriage or family. But God delights in that. 
taking something like that that looks impossible, the weak, the foolish, the broken, and doing a work in their life until not only are they victorious, they're a model. They're a testimony. They're a light. They're an inspiration to others. That's not just for a few. That's His will for all of us. I said that's His will for all of us. We realized as we overcome that, we overcame that episode in our life, our, later on we realized in the marriage meetings begin to progress in the churches and our victory is other people's victory. Yes. Hallelujah. Us overcoming has helped other people to overcome. Amen. What if we hadn't overcome? None of that influence would be. Some things would happen from other places, but, but not through us. Jesus' victory is the ultimate being our victory. But we're made in His likeness and image, and the same kind of thing is supposed to happen in our life on our levels. That's why the enemy will press so hard. That's why sometimes it seems so hard. You seem so tempted to give up and quit. Why? You don't realize it, but the devil knows it's easier to crush an acorn than it is an oak tree. If he can get you to quit now, he's going to prevent... What if uh, the enemy could have gotten Phyllis and I to split up, to quit, or get out of the ministry? You and I wouldn't be looking at each other. This church wouldn't be here. Branson wouldn't be here. Word supply. You see what I'm saying? So no wonder the enemy was pushing so hard on some of these things. We didn't know it. He's trying to keep this other stuff from coming to pass. Why was Jesus pressed so hard that that blood's coming out of his pores when he's saying, no, no, I'm going to do the will of God. No, I'm going to do the will of God. Why? He's trying to prevent all that has happened. So when the temptation comes, and it does, for whatever reason, whatever area, some are tempted in this area strong, not so much here. Others, it's vice, you know, opposite. But still, temptation is temptation. Friend, stand. And having done all to stand, stand. Don't give in why. Because you don't know why this is such a big deal. But you do know this. Victory is yours in Christ. And nobody ever had to give up and quit. And your victory can be an inspiration to people you never thought about. Next week or two years or ten years down the road. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go with me to the book of James. And I will just say this is the message today. (laughs) And we will close with this, I think. Oh, thank you, Lord. Somebody say, I am more than a conqueror. I'm an overconqueror. <laughs> yeah, overconqueror. Overcomer. Well, overconqueror is good, too. I mean, what's, what's wrong with that? I mean, <laughs> I'm an overconqueror. Dave, you like that word? They see Dave. They think it's gooder that he's an overconqueror. 
Uh, let me give you an example of what we're talking about here. Jesus, of course, is the ultimate example. We've already talked about that. Uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin, Sr., who's in heaven now, him and his wife, Miss Aretha, uh, father in the faith to Phyllis and I and, and, and many, influenced most of you, I think, too. Um, think about back when he was uh, 15 years old, paralyzed on the bed, waiting to die. There's no ministry. There's no rhema. All of this is, what, 50 years from then? And uh, he's just a teenage boy who's never heard anything preached about faith, anything about the authority in Christ, nothing about by his stripes you're healed, none of that. He's never heard any of that. Laying there waiting to die, the best doctors that they had access to had told him nobody in his condition had ever lived past 16 years of age. And when he hit 15, he started going just exactly the way they said. He's bedfast. He's paralyzed. He's in and out of consciousness days at a time. And uh, by the grace of God, he got a hold of faith from Mark 11. 23 and 24, the Lord told him about the woman with the issue of blood. He said, did you notice it said her faith made her whole? Because somebody, a preacher had told him and people had told him that that had been done away with. Healing and miracles and all those things had been done away with. Well, he didn't know but what to believe that. But he's reading the Bible. Thank God for the Bible. And he got another thought. He got another thought. And, and he read the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5. And it said, Jesus told her, daughter, you know, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. And that stood out to him. And the Lord, the Spirit of God, him laying in the bed, quickened him, said, did you notice? It said, her faith made her whole. He said, yeah. He said, have you ever heard anybody say that faith's been done away with? He thought, well, no. And he said the, the thought came to him, no, and you never will. Because if there's no faith, there's no salvation, and there's no church. <laughs> and thought, a thought. What's this thought doing to him? What did that other thought do to him? All this has been passed away. What did that thought do to him? Took away his hope, yes. didn't it? Yes. Brought darkness over him. So where was that thought from? From the enemy. Yes. What about this thought? What about this stuff? Well, it came out of the Word of God. And then the Spirit of God is taking what he read and, and, and illuminating his mind. Said, did you notice her faith made her whole? Yeah, yeah. Already you're feeling better. Yeah, I saw that. That's a thought. Have you ever heard anybody say faith's been done away with? No. No, and you never will. And then this thought. If her faith would make her whole, your faith will make you whole. Now, see, nobody knows, but Phyllis and my ministry and all the school, the Rhema schools around the earth and all the scores of thousands of graduates and all the revelation on, on healing and, and the Holy Spirit and being led, all of that is hanging in the balance on whether he gets this or not. Can you see this? So it's no wonder that 
there was episode after episode where something would come in and try to take it away from him. There was even a time when he said, it felt like him a voice came and said, uh, What is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. <laughs> Set your house in order, for this day you will surely die. He thought he had heard from God. Even after getting some of these other things, he thought, well, that's Scripture. Isn't that what the devil did to Jesus? That's Scripture. And he knew what he didn't know. So the devil, what's the devil trying to do? He's trying to crush this acorn before it ever becomes this mighty thing. And a victory for the enemy is this boy dying and that being the end of it. But unknown to him, his victory affected all of you. Come on, can you see this? Affected us and all of you. Somebody say, glory to God. And faith is the victory that overcomes the whole world. But I won't go through all the story, but the Spirit of God... Begin to quicken to him. He said he just, he got up and just waited to die. He just sat there. He thought he'd heard from God for hours and hours, just waiting to die. But then the Spirit of God, thank God for the Spirit of God, brought him another thought. (laughs) With long life, I'll satisfy you. Show you, well, hold on now, I ain't but 16. How can this be right? And then it showed him things, certain things that would add years to your life and certain things that would shorten your life. And How can that be right? So it began to get him back on track, give him something to fight with. And you've heard, if you've heard his testimony, he was healed miraculously by the power of God, brought off of what was his deathbed, paralyzed. Power of God went through him and he went to the breakfast table. And his grandpa said, is Lazarus raised? (laughs) That's how shocked they were that he walked to the table. And made it year after year after year. Don't you know, the devil wished he had tried to put that on somebody else. How many people have been influenced to receive their healing? Or to learn about faith? Come on, through his ministry. Had the devil known, he wouldn't have done it. Can you see the same thing is supposed to happen in your and my life that happened in Jesus' life? He's our example. We follow him. And the same thing is supposed to happen. That victory over that sickness and disease and death, that victory over that wrong thinking and temptation is my victory. Al Phyllis and I are able to go to the school that he started decades after that. And thousands of us. You're being influenced by it right now. Can you see that? His victory, which was because of Jesus' victory, is also our victory. Well, brother, sister, your victory is also somebody else's victory. It will affect your kids and your grandkids and after them that you may not even know in this lifetime. It will affect your neighbors, your co-workers, people you're bound in church, people you may never meet and know. But you've got to realize in the midst of the battle, 
I cannot quit. I I don't know what's at stake here, but it's more than I know. I cannot give up. I cannot quit. I'm not just going to yield to temptation and throw my life away and throw my ministry away. I will, by the grace of God, stand. And having done all, I will stand. And greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. And He always causes me to win. Woo! Stand on your feet, everybody.